We are beginning today our eight days of prayer, and we have been challenging and encouraging you to join with us beginning today in prayer for this church and for one another and for your unbelieving friends and neighbors and co-workers. And this is something that we have done the last couple of years, and I think it is very helpful for us to focus on the subject of prayer and to challenge ourselves with these eight days of prayer as we anticipate a new year, as we prepare ourselves for a new year together. In that, um, in that respect, I have a couple of things I want to remind you of as we're thinking about the new year ahead. I, I have been encouraging you with this the last couple of weeks. I'll remind you again, I trust, that it's your desire to know God's Word better and better, to know it more and more, to read it. Um, there are little, they look like little tracks. There are Bible reading plans on the literature table to your left as you leave this morning. Do you mind if I encourage and challenge you once more before the new year begins to read your Bible this year, to read through God's Word? Maybe you have before. Maybe you did this this year. And I praise you for that. I praise God that you've read through God's Word if you've done that. I would encourage you, if you have not read through God's Word, to read through God's Word in 2013. These are wonderful uh, Bible reading plans, a little tract size guide you can keep in your Bible and you can check off the chapters as you read. You will find God's Word challenges and encourages you every time you read it. If you will humble yourselves before God's Word, and this is a great guide for that to help you guide yourself through the year in God's Word. Would you do that? If you have done that before, do it again. Read God's Word in 2013. Obviously, we're beginning our eight days of prayer today. Also on that literature table is a prayer guide. We want you to take these. We want you to keep them with your Bible. Keep them with whatever you use for prayer. Maybe you have a prayer journal or a prayer list. Keep those together uh, and keep using this even after and into the new year and after the eight days of prayer. Keep using the prayer guide. will help you focus your praying. Um, in very helpful ways, in very instructive and encouraging ways about our church and our church family and the ministries that we're connected with through missionaries and such. Those are two uh, pieces of information, pieces of literature I would encourage you to take with you today. If you have not committed to prayer already, there are also on the literature table these um, eight days of prayer commitment forms, and I hope you'll take one of those and you can give that to me before you leave or put it in my box. You don't even have to do that. I, I want I want you to join with us in prayer this week. And it's been so encouraging to know how many people are praying with us. And that would be an encouragement if you would let us know you're praying with us. But you don't have to tell us. But, but pray with us, would you? And commit to praying. Make a commitment before God today, before we leave this place, that you will pray with us for these eight days, starting today and uh, through next Sunday. And that you'll pray beyond, that you'll start a new habit of prayer if you're not already in the habit of daily prayer. But use the prayer guide and use that commitment form from, from the literature table if you would like to. We have over 30 people already committed to praying with us these eight days uh, for over 15 hours of uh, prayer every day. And that is a great encouragement to me and to your leadership. And I praise God for your commitment to prayer. And as we begin today thinking seriously about the subject of prayer, I, I challenge you once again, as we discuss the subject of prayer here, and I sent you to Luke 11, we're going to be there in a moment, consider today the importance of prayer and think about your commitment level 
the, the, the level of commitment in your life that you have given to prayer and, and how important it is to you. I'm asking, um, I'm not asking for a show of hands. I'm going to be asking a question, but I don't want you to raise your hands. But I want to ask this question. I want you to think carefully about it. How many of us believe we pray as much as we should? I, I don't want to see your hands, but I, I do want you to think about it. How many of us think we pray or believe we pray as much as we should? I ask the question because I believe a fairly high number of Christians do not pray as they should and do not pray as much as they should. And you would probably agree with me that you don't believe you pray as much as you should. And unfortunately, a great many believers never grow a healthy prayer life. Uh, And that should not be. That should not be for us. We should take prayer very seriously, repeatedly. God's Word, if you read God's Word, even for a short time, you're going to find repeated reminders, repeated commands to give yourself to prayer, to be committed to prayer, to humble yourself before God in prayer. And if God commands that we do something, why do we not take what's commanded seriously? Why is it? What is it about prayer in particular that we don't commit ourselves too wholeheartedly and give the time to and the effort, the effort to and the energy to that we know we should? In answer to that question, how many of us believe we pray as much as we should? Probably none of us believe we pray as much as we should. Why not? Why don't we pray as we, sh- as we should? After all, like Spurgeon once said, prayer is doubt's destroyer, ruins remedy, the antidote to all anxiety. And I think he was right. He had a a great mind for God's Word, a great heart for God's Word, and he knew what God's Word says about prayer and how important it is for us to pray and how healthy and helpful it is for us when we pray. Doubts destroyer, ruins remedy, and antidote to anxiety. I think that's right. So why then, when we have something so needful and so powerful at our disposal, something so critical as prayer, and something so often commanded by God in His Word as prayer, why do we not give more time to prayer? Why do we not give more energy to prayer? Why do we not make opportunities in our day for daily prayer? I believe more often than not, our problem is this. More often than not, we turn to prayer last and not first because our our faith is weak. Our faith is weak. We don't truly believe. We don't trust God as we should. We don't believe in his promises as we should. And that leads to a weak faith, which leads to a weak and very small kind of praying. And I, and I say small because often we bring prayer to the table last. When we, when we finally admit we really need help, that something's beyond our our control and resources, we will finally humble ourselves and ask God for help. And in a way, that is very small praying. Praying that doesn't think of praying until all other hope is lost. And I think that is because our faith is weak. And very often our faith is small. And yet, I'm not here to discourage you, I'm here to encourage you because there is good news for people who struggle with small faith. And I think that's all of us at times. The good news is that God knows that's where we're at. God knows that's often where we struggle with a small faith, with a faith that doesn't take great hope in the promises of God. 
with a faith that doesn't humble itself before God's word and prayer and ask for God's will to be done no matter whether it pleases me now or not. God has given us his word. He has given us the Bible. And he has given it to us especially to inform us and strengthen us us so that our faith won't be weak. I say if your faith is weak, there's reason to, to take heart today. There's reason for hope and joy because God has given you his word so that your faith won't be weak. And because what God commands, he also gives the resources to accomplish what he commands. And we may indeed struggle with a weak faith, and that weak faith will certainly hinder our praying, but God does not intend to leave us in our weak faith. Praise God. He does not intend for us to languish in our faith. He wants us to be bold and courageous in our faith and faithful in prayer with that boldness. He does not leave us empty-handed and without hope and help. Praise God. One of the ways God helps us in his word is by showing us examples. And one of the examples that we have to help us in our praying is in Luke 11. I sent you there a few moments ago. Would you look at Luke 11 with me? The disciples of Jesus saw the example of Christ. They lived with him. They spent time with him. And they saw that he was a man of prayer. They saw his godly example. They saw his wisdom and the way he dealt with people. And they saw that he was a man of prayer, and this caused them, I think, to ask to ask him to teach them how to pray as he did. And his answer is what we find in the text before us. And his answer will inform and grow our praying if we are willing to follow what we are taught here. And that is important. Are we willing to follow what God teaches? Are we willing to obey God's word and apply these truths to our lives? I trust that's your desire today, and I pray that it is. And I challenge and encourage you to humble yourself before God's word today. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 12. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And in verse 5, it says, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now Jesus' disciples... We know that they spent a great deal of time with him. 
Jesus' disciples, had, uh, they, they had witnessed his miracles. They had seen the work of his hands. They had witnessed what he had done with people and how he had helped and healed and restored sight and speech and lame feet to people who needed healing. But they had also seen how he worked with people and how he dealt with people, and they had witnessed his consistent prayer life through it all as well. And I believe that looking on, the disciples believed there was a connection between the way Jesus lived and the way Jesus prayed. And I would suggest that for followers of Christ today, that is true. That there is a connection between how we pray and how we live. And I would suggest that very small praying leads to very small living. And I mean that prayer that is faithless and empty and and far and few between leads to a spiritual life that is weak and empty and shorthanded from what God would love to supply if we would honor him with our obedience. And in the response that Jesus gave his disciples, we can see at least two important lessons about prayer. There are two things here especially that I want you to see today that I think stand out in the text and very important things that that instruct our prayer lives. First of all, there's this important lesson we see here. Prayer involves persistent boldness. Now, you know this passage. Many of you have heard this passage. You've probably heard passage, uh, um, pastors preach on this passage many times, and you have heard this before. Prayer involves persistent boldness. I'm not suggesting that you're hearing something new, but I am suggesting you're hearing something you need to hear again and something I need to hear again. Because when we struggle in our prayer lives, it's often because we lack persistence and boldness. What we hear Jesus telling his disciples is that persistent prayer is effective prayer. Persistent prayer that goes to God with faith is effective prayer. We can see it in this story. He tells about the man pounding on his friend's door at midnight. And what does the friend say? Hey, don't bother me. I'm in bed for the night. All right, come back tomorrow. But note in verse 8 how he tells them that because of his impudence, I don't use that word very often. I don't think I've ever used that word. Do you use impudence? It means persistent boldness. Okay? Because of his persistent boldness, his friend gets out of bed and comes to the door and gives him what he requires, what he needs. Persistent boldness. Does that describe your prayer life? As you think about your prayer life, does that describe you and how you pray? Persistently bold before the Lord? I'm afraid that doesn't always characterize my praying. So how do we gain boldness to pray? How do we learn to be persistent? Do you notice how Jesus begins the instruction to his disciples here and how they should pray? Go back with me to verses 2 and look look at verses 2 and 3 and 4. And note with me where our praying should begin. This is where Jesus began with the disciples. This is where he told them to begin. And this is where we're told in God's word to begin. The foundation of our praying should be focused on this. Submission to God's wisdom and authority. We must be willing to submit to God's wisdom and authority. That's where Jesus begins with the disciples. As you look at verses 2 through 4, that's what you see. Note how Jesus starts by saying that the disciples should pray like this, beginning with addressing God as Father. And as our Heavenly Father, God is our Maker. He is our Provider. He created us. 
He made us and He provides for us. And then Jesus goes on to say, and you pray like this, hallowed be or holy and honored be your name, Lord. And so with God as our maker and God as our provider, we need to remember that He is in control and we're not and all we pray for and do ought to be for the honor of His name, hallowed or holy or honored be your name, but not only for His name to be holy and honored, but also for His kingdom to reign that His kingdom would reign, that people would see God's kingdom reigning clearly as, as God, the Creator and Maker of mankind and all that exists. God, the One who's in control, the One who deserves to be honored and glorified and worshipped. And then with the proper attitude toward God. And only then are we ready to come boldly before God in persistent prayer. I would never suggest that you that you come with boldness before God in prayer and demand of God. That is not that is not Christ honoring God honoring prayer, is it? We don't come to God and say, "Lord, I've been pretty good. In fact, I've been far better than my neighbor." And and you you've kept a list. Have you checked it twice to see that I'm pretty good? I demand that you do something in this situation. That's not how we pray, is it? You don't come to God in prayer and say, God, I've been so good. Why don't I deserve better than this? God, I've been so obedient. You owe it to me, don't you, God? That is not what we're talking about when we talk about persistent boldness. It begins with a proper attitude toward God. The foundation of your prayers must rest on this. How do you view God? Do you view Him as your maker, your creator, your provider, your sustainer, the one who gives you breath? He is not your magic genie in a bottle. God is God God loves you dearly, but he longs to provide what you need. And he knows what you need. Do you realize God knows exactly what you need? So with this proper attitude toward God and only then are we ready to come boldly before God in persistent prayer and only then with that proper attitude toward God are we ready to ask for those daily provisions like Jesus tells his disciples? You ask for daily provision, but you need to know who God is. God knows you, and He longs to provide for your needs. And you must be persistently bold, but you must humble yourself before God for your heart to be right, for persistent boldness. And then God's strength in the face of temptation is what we ask for. Right? Do you see it there? God, give me strength. Lead me not into temptation. Give me strength to face the temptations I face and not sin. Give me strength to not say the things I would love to say that would be a total dishonor to your name if I said them. God, give me strength and wisdom to not sin. Do not lead me into temptation. Take me in the other direction, Lord. Right? Asking for strength to not do evil. Asking for strength to have faith in God's promises. Those things lay the foundation for our praying. That equips us and prepares our attitude to have a proper attitude toward God. And so prayer, Jesus teaches us, is a spiritual exercise that requires persistent boldness. And Luke tells us later in chapter 18 that this is, again, it's the purpose of Jesus when he tells his disciples the story of the persistent widow, saying later in Luke 18.1 that Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Always persistent and not lose heart. Boldness 
before God in prayer because he is a loving God who longs to provide for his needy children. And so as we see here in Luke 11, it's in this way that Jesus lays the foundation for persistent boldness in praying. And let's never forget that persistent boldness is only appropriate when its foundation is a proper attitude toward God. After all, He's God, correct? (laughs) He's the Creator. He's the sustainer of life. We must make sure we have a proper attitude toward God when we pray. We pray to the One of whom the Word reminds us that He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Psalm 103 and verse 14 is a powerful reminder, isn't it? That God made us. He knows us. And He has not forgotten that we are dust. <laughs> we pray to the One who told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I form you in the womb, I knew you. The same is true about you. Before God formed you in your mother's womb, He knew you. He says that about Jeremiah. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Is that incredible? Think about it. You have a God who is a personal God, who knows individuals, who knows them when he formed them in their mother's womb before they took breath. God is the one whom the psalmist acknowledged in Psalm 139 and verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God knows you. And God knows your needs. And that is the God you pray to. And that is the God you are to humble yourself before when you come with persistent boldness. How do you see God? Do you see Him as the one who made you and knows you? If not, change your perspective because that's the God you're praying to. So yes, it's true that prayer can take effort and persistent boldness. But it begins, it always begins with a proper view of who God is. But that's not all prayer requires. Prayer also calls for faith. I would say it this way, proper prayer calls for faith. Because you can pray without faith, right? You can pray like, oh God, help me in this, but I know you could care less about me. I know I'm just dust after all. You could pray like that with very little, next to no faith at all. Or absolutely no faith. And and yes, that's prayer, but that's not proper prayer, is it? Proper prayer calls for faith. Effective prayer, persistent prayer, bold praying requires that that faith be placed in the one true God. The God who knows you. The God who hears and cares and answers. The problem with many of us, though, And our praying is that we often don't pray because we don't really believe that God is for us. We don't really believe that God really cares about us. We don't really believe that He actually is going to answer my prayer. We often are guilty of thinking God is against us rather than for us and that God is the mean teacher in the sky with the ruler waiting to smack our hands and punish His errant pupils. Or we think, surely God doesn't care about little old me. And how wrong we are. How wrong we are. That is not the picture of God that the Bible gives us, is it? It's not the picture of God that we have in our passage. That's not what we see here in Luke 11. Please look again. Go to verses 9 and 10. 
Is this a God who does not listen and does not care about the needs of his individual children? Certainly not. Jesus is telling his disciples, you want to know how to pray? Pray this way and don't ever forget that God hears and answers your prayers. And I tell you, ask, verse 9, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. We sang it earlier, didn't we? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? And that's the idea here. Be careful that we don't say, I can ask anything? Yes, as long as you're seeking God's kingdom first. Because when you do seek God's kingdom first, all of your desires change. And God knows you're going to ask for the right things. And he says, hey, ask for the right things. You've got them. I long to give you the things that you need. God's children who pray with persistent boldness receive answers from God. You can count on it. God's children who seek first God's kingdom and bring glory to God with their lives receive answers from God. They have their needs met. They seek and they find. This is a God who cares about your needs. He says, pray, seek, ask, knock. You'll find, you'll be answered, you'll be given. Jesus makes it very clear by illustrating verses 11 and 12. Look at them again. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks him for an egg, will give him a scorpion? It's like God says, look, it's just common sense, isn't it, that your earthly fathers take good care of you. Your father who loves you is not going to give you something that's bad for you. And if your earthly father doesn't want to give something to you that's bad for you, just think of your heavenly father who made you. Your heavenly father will not give you something that is wrong for you, that is bad for you. But there's a challenge here for us, isn't there? If God only gives what is good for us, then praying with faith also means trusting that all that God gives is only for our good. And that's where we struggle at times, isn't it? I'm not so sure you got this one right, God. Why did you give this? Why did you allow this? Why did you bring this circumstance into my life? This can't be for my good. And yes, God says, but I know. This is necessary. You need this. That's a challenge, isn't it? All God's answers are only for our good. God may say yes. He may say no. He may say wait. Or in most cases, he may say, I've got a better idea, right? <laughs> I know better. So we must be willing to accept God's answers to our prayers. Proper prayer calls for faith. We can pray and pray and pray up a storm and not be praying properly if it's not based on faith in the one true God who answers our prayers and cares about our needs. And again, we must return to that foundation for our praying that is a proper perspective of who God is. God is a personal God, a loving God, a God who cares about the needs of each of his children. So much so, he gave us his son. Right? We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this past week, didn't we? And as followers of Christ, I've said it before, we celebrate every day. We don't need Christmas to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, do we? 
We ought to be celebrating every day that Jesus loves me so much he sent his son to die for me and you. God is a personal God. He is a loving God, a God who cares about the needs of every one of his children. He is a God who hears every one of his children when they pray. And with that proper perspective, God's word calls us to pray with faith, teaching us, as in Matthew 21, in verse 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And in James 1, 6, saying, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And then later in James 5, and verse 16, we're told that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And I would suggest what we're talking about here when we're talking about a righteous person is a person who is seeking first God's kingdom who wants God's way, who wants God's will to be accomplished, whether it's my will or not. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working because God answers the prayers of his children. God loves to answer the prayers of his growing, faith-filled children. So if you want to learn to pray more faithfully, begin with a proper understanding of who God is, begin with a proper attitude toward God, and then pray with persistent boldness and pray with faith and do not stop. With that in mind, I want to share with you some practical ideas for growing your prayer life. I'm calling on you today to commit to, to these eight days of prayer I'm asking you to take prayer seriously because it is a serious responsibility. It is a serious privilege also. And it will bring great joy and contentment and satisfaction as you humble yourself before God in prayer. And if you're not committed to praying daily already, that I, I, I implore you to take these eight days to start a new habit of prayer in your life and commit yourself to humbling yourself before God and His will for you. And I want to help you with these Idea, these ideas, these suggestions, first of all, this, this idea about your prayer life is so critical. You should pray alone. You should pray alone. Maybe that seems obvious, but you should pray alone. No one knows your needs like you do. You need to take time daily to get alone before God, you and God, alone, and humble yourself before God and say, I don't know what your will is in this situation, but you know my heart, you know my needs, you know what I'm struggling with, you know where I'm struggling with sin. And God, I ask for your help. You need to pray alone. Take time to quiet your heart before the Lord each and every day. Private prayer is critical to the healthy, growing Christian life. And if you want to grow your prayer life, you need to establish a, a habit of prayer alone. It's a lot easier sometimes for us to gather in public and and to look like a prayer-filled person. But it's a lot harder, a lot, a lot more serious when you're alone before God. And that's when you'll really pray, if you're going to pray at all. That's where you should begin. But you should also pray with others. Don't just pray alone. Don't only pray alone, but you should also pray with others. God's Word teaches us that believers should make time for prayer together. It's one of the reasons we, we still have a, a Wednesday night prayer service. We're going to begin that again a week from Wednesday. And we'll come back together a week from Wednesday at 7 o'clock and we'll have a, a brief time of, of study in God's Word, but we dedicate that time to prayer. And, and I long for more of you to be a part of that. 
And I know that there are others who long for you to be more of a part of that So, because prayer is such a critical component of the life of the church. I'm not suggesting that our prayer services are the only times we pray or the only times we take prayer seriously. But I would suggest that it is an important aspect of the life of the church that we commit to praying together. Pray together. Don't just pray alone. You need to begin praying alone before God, but don't only pray alone. Join us. Come. I know some people don't like the thought of praying in public or praying out loud before others. We, we will never make anyone pray out loud who's uncomfortable doing that. That is not our purpose. Our purpose is to pray together. Typically, a Wednesday evening is, like I said, a time of Bible study and God's Word for just a few minutes. We share prayer requests. We break up into groups of three or four people. And those who want to pray, pray out loud. Those who want to pray silently do so. Not, not meant to be a, a difficult time or a confrontational time, but to be a healthy time for God's people to gather together, to humble themselves as His church, the body of Christ, under the head Christ, submitting to His authority and His headship in our church and in our lives as families. So don't only pray alone. Pray with others. There are other ways you can do that. Husbands and wives should be praying together. Parents and children should be praying together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to have opportunities throughout our days to have times of prayer together, and we should be praying with one another. Here's another suggestion, another idea. You should pray for one another. It's easy to pray for yourself. Like I said, you pray alone. You think of often your own needs. But you should also pray for one another. All of us need prayer. We must pray for one another. God's church needs believers who are committed to upholding one another in prayer. Use that church directory that you have at home with the names and pictures of, of folks from church. Pray for one another. Again, come on Wednesdays and take the requests that we share on Wednesday evenings and pray for one another throughout the week. And then I would also suggest you need to learn to pray specifically. Be specific. Take specific requests to God and trust Him for the answers. I love the example of Elijah in James 5 when it says of Elijah, He was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. Elijah wasn't a guy who stood back and said, God, just do something. Anything, whatever you want to do, just do it. Elijah felt like it would honor the Lord if it didn't rain. And so God, please make it stop raining. And God made it stop raining. And when it was time, Elijah said, God, I think it would be good for it to start raining again. And God said, I agree. Let's, let's have some rain. I am often humbled by my own father's godly example of prayer. And I'm shamed at the times that I've laughed at him for being so specific as God make the rain, you know, go around us today because we need to work outside on this really important project. Or don't let the snow come because I want people to be here for our evening service for this special occasion. And he's like, I'm looking at the weather map and I'm seeing snow everywhere, but it's not snowing here. It's like, Dad, that's because God listens to you. And how shame, shameful of, of me to not Trust in a God who cares about whether people make it to church or not. Or whether people have safety traveling to their destination. We all ought to learn from people like that. who have great faith. 
or even those who have a small faith and are willing to, to pray specifically about a specific need and be persistent and bold again and again, asking God for direction, for wisdom, for provision for this need. Pray specifically. I would suggest that a, a, a very helpful thing would be for you to begin a, a prayer diary. Write down your specific prayer request. Put a date down when you start praying for that thing and ask God. And when you when you understand that God has answered that prayer, and when you see the answer, it may not be the answer that you were asking for, but when you see that God has answered, that will be a wonderful faith trail for you to look back and look at how God provided. Be specific. You should also pray often. Pray alone, pray with others, pray for one another, be specific, and pray often. If your prayer life is real to you, you will pray and you will pray and you will pray again. And you will keep praying. Do not quit praying for those for whom God has given you a burden who need Christ. Don't stop. Keep praying. Don't quit. God loves to answer prayers. Don't stop praying, but pray often. Be encouraged that God hears you. Know God's word. And I would suggest that maybe, maybe you're not in the habit of prayer. It's something that I hope you'll, you'll grow in this week if you'll commit to praying together. Maybe you're not in the habit of prayer. I would just suggest maybe you need to schedule some times throughout your day. You say it to yourself, you know, at the top of the hour, for every hour, I'm going to, today I'm going to pray for five minutes at the top of every hour. I'm just going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to look at my prayer requests. I'm going to ask God for wisdom and help and direction and encouragement. Get in the habit of praying always, often. And I trust as we enter these eight days of prayer that you will begin to bring to your times of prayer a growing and persistent boldness. As you bring to the Lord your requests, and as you trust Him, and as you ask Him in faith, and as you seek to honor Him with a submissive attitude of your heart, and you serve Him, and you wait for His perfect answers to your requests with faith, that you will pray with, with this kind of persistent boldness and faith that we see in the passage before us today, and that you would say as we leave this place today, I will pray with persistent boldness and faith because I know the one true God cares about my needs and answers my prayers, and I want his glory to be seen in this world. I want his will to be done. I want his kingdom to come. Is that your prayer today? I trust it is. I hope it is. Would you stand with me? Let's stand together as we prepare to close with a word of prayer and go our separate ways today. We are so privileged to be able to pray together. Do you realize what a privilege we have when God says that where my people are, that's where I am. And when my people pray, I hear and I answer.